0: Now, I am not reintroducing the
1: idea of purgatory. But on the other hand, I do believe the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. With that came a belief, when you die, you're instantaneously and magically made perfect. The soul of someone who dies immediately goes into eternity. There is no place where you make
2: up for your sins. There is no purgatory. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be
0: changed. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Let's see if we can help. Ms. Turner, shall we? A lot! No, it's not! Everything! This is Wretched Radio. Don't expect a Buddhist to understand love, but Christians most certainly should. No, Christians most certainly must. Why? Because it is the love of God that is put on display through the pinnacle event of all of human history. In Christ Jesus, the love of God was shown, and he wants us to know that love. And here comes that scary E-word, experience that love, to have that love inform us. And yet it is my experience for those of us who love conservative theology, Bible exposition, all good stuff, but if we fail to focus on the love of God, you're going to become like a member of the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, The warning from Jesus. You are doctrinal, you are discerning, but your love has grown cold. How do you kindle that? It is by focusing on the love of God. That's right, I said focusing, not tangentially, not just mentioning it, but focusing on it. And you say you can't do that because that makes you a big Eva squish bomb. Well, take that up with Octavius Winslow. 1870, this Puritan preached a sermon from the verse about the love of God, and he spent 11 pages, and it's not double-spaced. I'm telling you, this is a thick one, focusing on nothing but the love of God. Now, does that mean he never talked about judgment? No. Does that mean he never talked about wrath? Nope. Hell, nope. He talked about all of those things, but the emphasis was the love of God, and it doesn't make you squishy, when we run into these texts and they are not just littered, they are consistent throughout the Bible, that the love of God is the attribute that he wants us to, gasp, experience, to know, to enjoy. I wonder, is it possible your love has grown cold because you've been learning a lot, you're discerning, but you haven't even allowed yourself to focus on the love of God because of the abuse of the love of God. All of these TV preachers, they're just mush, aren't they? And perhaps we ricochet off of that, fall off of the horse onto the other side into a different ditch, but it is still a ditch focusing on just this mushy, almost romantic love of God. Well, that's a ditch, but to never talk rightly about the love of God, that ain't right either. So let us, let Octavius bask in the love of God, starting with personal pronouns. That's right. They were dealing with personal pronouns back then. Not in the way we are, mind you, but they did recognize the Bible uses personal pronouns that have implications for us. The verse that he chose was Psalm 48. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Luther talked about his love for personal pronouns. Why? Because it has such implications that that this is not a carved idol on a mantle that we worship. This is a being That has made it possible for us to know his love. You're going to think you're going to hear this and you're going to go, wow, that just sounds like a seeker sensitive guy. No, it's not. It's a biblical guy. Quote, to endeavor to raise the believer to an elevated and proper standard, knowing the love of God in his personal religion is the design of this sermon. That's it. There's his thesis statement. You're going to hear about the love of God, and he doesn't apologize for it. To neutralize the doubts, dissipate the fears, and confirm the faith of a single believer in Christ. That's what he wants to do, thus aiding him to place his foot upon another and higher round in heaven's ladder. Mike Abendroth wrote a book. It's called Assurance because he, as a pastor outside of Boston, In Boylesville, I believe is the name of the town, he identified as a pastor that people are struggling with assurance. And now because of that, because he's preaching, I think he would agree more about the love of God, still using the law as a mirror, curb, and a guide, some people would label him antinomian. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Talk about the love of God in more than a drive-by, and you're antinomian? No, you're not. It is a mirror, curb, and a guide. Mm, but it's also to lead us like a schoolmaster to Jesus who introduces us into this relationship in which we now stand. And if we don't preach this, Octavius Winslow got this, 1870, people are going to struggle with assurance. Did you hear his list? Doubts? fears, confirmation. If you don't have those things rightly in order, it could be because you haven't focused, focused on the love of God. We but imperfectly realize the greatness of God's love to his people, their preciousness to the heart of Jesus. Huh? Did he say we're precious to Jesus? Yes, he did. And how incessantly they are the objects of the Spirit's care and comfort tell me that doesn't sound like somebody who's peddling the gospel let us not let the bad guys keep us from studying god is love that would be your john 4:16 if one per- this is fascinating i'm telling you this 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 is going to challenge you because it challenged me i think i mentioned writing a book should be out fourth quarter Called the missing piece is this particular chapter that we fail to remember the love of God. That in Christ, God loves you with the intensity of a thousand suns. And that's a lot. You don't have to be good at math or science to recognize, whoa, that is a hot love. And that is the attribute that God wants us to experience for eternity and i was i was nervous about writing that that it's it's the love of god that we will be enjoying for eternity will we see his holiness of course we we we're, 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 we're going to be made holy ourselves we're going to be glorified ourselves will we understand his righteousness wrath and judgment yeah we're going to be fully aware that the flames of hell they keep on flaming we won't forget those things we'll know those things but As Octavius Winslow is about to say, the big experience for the Christian for eternity is God's love. From Winslow. If one perfection of God shines out in redemption with greater effulgence, brightness than any other, it is this love is the focus of all the rest, the golden thread which draws and binds them all together in holy and beautiful cohesion. Love was the moving, controlling attribute in God's great expedient of saving sinners. Thank you for saying it, sir. Sometimes we will preach the gospel gloriously. We'll we'll use the law to bring about the knowledge of sin, talk about what Jesus did, but fail to remember John 3.16. God did this to demonstrate his love because he loved the world and in christ then you scoot over to first john 4 he really 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 loves us and winslow is saying don't forget that justice may have demanded love holiness may have required love wisdom may have planned it and power may have executed it but love originated the whole and was the moving cause in the heart of God. Can you handle that? Huh? I don't want to get all Freudian, because let me tell you something, you don't ever want to get all, you don't even want to get a little Freudian. But is it possible that you struggle to experience and know the love of God in Christ Jesus because your father just didn't show love? Or... You have a checkered past. Your history screams unlovable. That's just not what the Bible describes God's attitude is for you. Can you handle this? So that the salvation of the sinner is not so much a manifestation of the justice or holiness or wisdom or power of God as it is a display of his love.
0: Whoa.
2: everything that you see on the cross has its foundation in love that god wants to be known for being a loving god does this minimize his righteous his justice his anger at sin nope it doesn't but all of those things are informed by his love now we want to be careful with the doctrine of simplicity that that god isn't bits and pieces But we don't hear God describe himself as the angry. I mean, he does use those things, but predominantly, even the first time he describes himself in Exodus, it's rich in mercy, God. It's the loving God. Have you forgotten that? This is Wretched Radio. Because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives?
0: That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh.
2: (laughs) Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed.
0: When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without
2: her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support Preborn Centers at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched.
1: Quick, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when I say the word partner? I'm only asking because I do genuinely wonder if I've been crystal clear on the significance of our gospel partners. Our gospel partners truly are allies, helping and granting us the privilege in spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. With productions like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and resources like Wretched Worldview, Breaking Bread, Life is Best, The Drive-By Series, and a ton of others, we're reaching millions with the gospel, but it's only possible because of the generosity of our gospel partners. If you're already a Wretched Gospel Partner, I humbly thank you for your kindness and support. And if you're not, can I ask you to visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner and then prayerfully consider partnering with us if you can. We are grateful for all you do and humble that God continues using wretches like us to spread His gospel to millions. Wretched.org slash donate. That's wretched.org slash donate.
2: Normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable, biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Important Dates in Christian History.
0: 270 AD. A wealthy young man named Anthony gives away his possessions and begins life as a hermit. Disciples follow his example, and the first monastic movement began. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Hey, this could have been
2: worse. Love,
0: love. This is Wretched Radio. Exciting and
2: new. Could have picked an air supply young song. For... Count your blessings. We're expecting you. This is Wretched Radio. Gasp! Focusing on the love of God. Nope, we didn't just become liberal. We're just trying to be biblical, especially in a day and age when Martin Luther's words about a drunken man and a horse feel downright prophetic. The Christian walk is like walking on a horse. Well, you don't walk on the, the horse. Walks wa- I don't want to get all ranch lingo-y with you here, but you get on the horse and you fall off one side. You get back on it, you fall off the other side. And I wonder if it is possible that you have fallen into a ditch that is avoiding the love of God. Now, remember, there is a ditch where it's nothing but mushy, gushy love of God. That's a ditch. Let's get on the horse and write it, courtesy of a dead Puritan named Octavius Winslow, who 150 years wrote, Love set its heart upon man, yearned to save man, and resolved to embark in the expedient of his salvation. I gotta tell you, I hear words like yearn and love, and it kind of gives me the conservative heebie-jeebies. Whoa, buckaroo. Let's not turn God into a yearning boyfriend. Amen to that. But that doesn't mean we should ignore the central. Hate to say it this way because it's problematic with the doctrine of simplicity, but the love of God is, is, is what his core is about. Yes, holiness, righteousness, just, yes, 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 yes. But what you're going to hear from a guy who's been dead for 150 years is it is the attribute of love that animates all of the other attributes. It's quite a claim and it's a radical adjustment for us. So how did he do this? How did he embark on in the expedient of his salvation? It did so by conceiving a plan which should harmonize all the other attributes of his nature. And engage them in the divine and wondrous work of redeeming love. Again, Winslow stating it's love that motivated, it's love that drove, it is love that accomplished, it is love that keeps, it is love that God wants us to know. It is not without reason and design that we make the love of God the concentric truth from which we start. This is a game changer, and I'm perfectly mindful of the potential ditch in saying this, but when you open up your Bible today to read it, which I hope you do, maybe start by going, I'm going to learn about the love of God today. Because even if you're reading the book of Revelation, that's still about the love of God. He's winning. He's redeeming a people. He is doing this to show. He's amazing. When you read your Bible, remembering, okay, God is going to teach me something of his love for me. It's going to change the way you read it. It might just stop it from being a bit of an intellectual exercise and actually, you know, warm your heart. The character of God as the God of love is but imperfectly apprehended even by those who are the especial objects of his regard that's us there are few saints who study his character in the light of this wondrous perfection of his nature they are awed by his greatness impressed with his holiness tremble at his power but how few are subdued and drawn to him by his love this was 1870 the very concern that you and i have about love bomb preachers would make octavius winslow a love bomb preacher He's not saying don't ever deal with those other attributes, but don't neglect or overlook or ignore the love of God. They do not, for the most part, conceive that loving view of his character and cherish those kindly thoughts of his mercy, as would disarm their minds of the terror of the slave and fill their hearts with the affection of the child, and yet... A believing apprehension of God's loving and lovable character, of the great love with which He loves His saints, lies at the root of all holy, filial, and unreserved obedience. You want to obey God? You've got to focus on the missing piece these days, and that is the love of God. Got to do it. Otherwise, it 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 so quickly devolves into mere duty. It's better to be dutiful and obedient than not. But it is better to do your duty because I just plain want to. Why? Because I know the love that God has for me in Christ. From Winslow, you have thought of him perhaps as the God of holiness, as the God of justice, as the God of power, as the God of judgment. Come now and meditate upon him as the God of love. And while you thus muse on this marvelous and soul-subduing truth, May the fire of a responsive affection kindle in your heart and your tongue break forth into thanksgiving and praise. That's what happened to Paul. You'll see this happen. He just breaks out into doxology. He's talking theology. He's talking about the gospel. All praise and thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. That's what focusing on the love of God will do for you. And incidentally, when you read books of the Bible, you will notice the epistles. I think it's safe to say, perhaps, with the exception of Philemon, it starts with what? With what God has done for us. The love of God. Consider the book of Philippians. It begins with the love of God. Consider the book of Ephesians. It begins with the love of... Consider 1 Peter, the book on persecution, to prepare you for persecution. He focuses on the love of God in Christ Jesus. From Winslow, God is essentially the God of love. The words which suggest our present meditation emphatically declare this. God is love. The most sublime sentence of the Bible. (laughs) If this Winslow fellow keeps it up. He's going he's gonna to find himself on a discernment blog, what he's, what he's going to experience. This is the central perfection around which, as satellites, all the others resolve, revolve, and from which, as harmonized in the salvation of man, they derive their position and luster. Thus, for example, omnipotence is the power of love. Omniscience is the eye of love. Omnipresence is the atmosphere of love holiness is the purity of love justice is the fire of love and thus might we travel the circle of the divine perfections and each one would be found b- b- but to be but another form of the essential perfection of love because god is love it is his essence It shines in all of his perfections. It is exhibited in all of his works. Winslow, he is nothing and can do nothing for and to himself. Consequently, he is nothing and can do nothing in which his love is not an essential quality. Do you need perhaps to spend a little more time at least focusing on this love? God is infinite and therefore this is this is. Now, how, do, how can you think about the love of God and have it do something for you like remove doubts and grant you assurance? Consider the infinitude of God, that God is infinite in all of his being. Remember the doctrine of simplicity. God is in parts and bits. So we always want to be careful when we talk about different attributes because they, 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 they don't reside in different places. Having said that, when you consider the love of God in its infinity, that should allow you to run to Him when you sin. That should allow you to repent again and again and again and not like feel like you have to wait three days or not go to church because of what you've looked at again. God is infinite, and therefore His love to us is boundless and fathomless. This view of his infinite greatness is not to paralyze, but to strengthen our faith, not to repel, but to attract us. The very immensity of God is one of our greatest encouragements to actually approach him. Surely we may plead the greatness of God's love when we ask anything is at his hand. Is your prayer life a little bit? God's resources, they're infinite and his love for you is infinite. That's the God you're talking to. Approach then this love with the full persuasion of its infinite measurement. Don't let the greatness of your transgressions appall you. Let not the deep needs of your soul discourage you. Let not the turpitude of your guilt, dis- of your guilt dismay you. Come with your great and minor sins. Come with your deep and your shallow needs. Come to his infinite ocean of love in which the elephant may swim and which the lamb may wade might i encourage you today to let yourself force yourself if necessary to talk about god's love and think on it deeply until you actually feel it this is wretched radio
0: books of the Bible. Deuteronomy means second law. As the Israelites prepared to enter the promised land after wandering 40 years, God reminds them of how He rescued them from Egypt, what He commands in His law, and the blessings and curses that come with keeping or breaking His law. God is faithful to provide the inheritance He has promised to His children. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel to learn from a dead guy. I do,
2: I do. This is Wretched Radio. Uh, let's go back in time again, shall we? To hear about a subject that many of us are a little bit allergic to, and that is the love of God. You may recall, if you listened yesterday, which is highly unlikely because we haven't found anybody who has listened two days in a row, we shared a sermon from Octo- Octavius Winslow on the love of God, and perhaps you thought... Oh, he must have been the Joel Osteen of his day. Nothing just goopy-gloppity-boop-love-of-God business. No, no, he was not. In the very same sermon, he does an altar call. Without the altar, part of it. He proclaims the gospel, and I thought it would be worth our time... To hear an 1870 proclamation of the gospel commanding people right where they are this second to repent and put their trust in Jesus Christ. And what you're going to hear is this guy was not a squish bomb, even though he was talking about the love of God quite effusively. It was a clarion call to repent to not be a fool and delay and wait until your deathbed because you just don't know when that day is going to come. And this might be helpful for you if you teach Sunday school, you preach, or you want your kids to get saved. There's a bit of a trend these days, not just in Big Eva, but also in our conservative circles where the gospel can frequently bit a bit, bit of a tack on at the end. Often you'll hear it as, we've just studied now about Jonah, and if you're here today and you don't want to end up in the belly of a whale, I'd ask you to put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's just, we just kind of tack it onto the end because we realize, ooh, we got to get it in some place, and it conveniently fits at the end because it's almost like a nota bene to the entire sermon, but that is not what this guy did. What you're about to hear was in the middle of his sermon on the love of God, and it goes on. For pages, here are some, just some of the highlights. Sinner. Now, he's not talking about the tennis player from Italy. He's talking about anybody sitting there, any human being. Sinner. Remember, this is the guy who is talking about love. Feel the balance even inside of a sermon on love. Sinner. Thus has the God of love been dealing with you Long has he dealt with you in the way of mercy and forbearance. Judgment has lingered. There has been the hiding of his power. His mercy has restrained his wrath. <gasps> he talked about wrath. And but for this, hell must have been your present abode. And still you sin. Still you fight against God. Still you despise his son, reject his grace, scorn his salvation, and rush heedlessly, madly upon thick bosses of his buckler. You just, you're running into the wood chipper. There's... Basically what he's saying, whether you are in Fargo or not. Did you hear the language there? That's fiery stuff. But remember, it's in the context of God's love. And this is the balance you and I need to find. We don't need to abandon holiness, righteousness, judgment, just to focus exclusively entirely on love. But we, 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 we don't want to do it the other way either, do we? We shouldn't be allergic to talking about the love of God. This was an ongoing altar call. There is a limit to divine forbearance and infinite mercy. When God, so to speak, has exhausted all means of kindness and love, justice steps in and executes his righteous vengeance and wrath. Now, we are a paragraph and a fifth. Into this altar call, this gospel proclamation. Most gospel proclamations are not this long, what, what you just heard. They're so if you're here today and you, you just, you know, you know, things aren't right with God, you need to know He died on a cross, rose from the grave, He'll forgive your sins. So do business with God. Amen. Not this guy. This went on and on and on. Mercy gives place to judgment, and the sinner is righteously and eternally condemned. What do you say then, sinner, to this love? Has it interested, instructed, won you? Presume not upon its patience and continuance. Throw down the weapons of your rebellion and submit to the government of God, repent and believe cast yourself in contrition at his feet and embrace in faith, the scepter of his grace extended in the person and work of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. This reminds me of another plead from a sermon from, Oh, he's probably 19th century guy. Maybe. Yeah. 19th century guy. He was warning people, just don't go to war. Don't go to battle with God. Lay down. He offers terms of peace right now. Lay down your arms. He desires to manifest his goodness in saving you. Not so much his holiness and righteousness in condemning you. He wants to magnify his attributes of mercy, grace, and loving kindness. Don't be foolish. And that went on for paragraphs also. I wonder if we couldn't learn something from these dead guys when it comes to just plain preaching the gospel. Now, I realize it gets hard to do this. It can be difficult, especially when every week it's the same audience, same congregation. How do you make it fresh? You don't. You don't have to. Just preach it. Don't drive by it. Linger here. That scepter will not always be outstretched. Neither will it always be the scepter of grace. God is a God of justice as well as of love, a God that takes vengeance as well as a God that shows mercy. Listen to his awful words. When I sharpen my flashing sword and begin to carry out justice, I will bring vengeance on my enemies and repay those who hate me. Oh, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. He is a consuming fire. Do not make light of eternal punishment. Do not think it a small thing to fall under the vengeance of a holy, just, and gracious God. Mercy is fearful when it turns to wrath. Love is consuming when it turns to anger. There is no wrath like the wrath of the Lamb. Hell flashing in your face with the wrath to come, wrath forever and ever to come, preparing for its dread and endless outpouring with a certain prospect before you of the undying worm of conscience and the unquenchable flame of bodily and soul suffering. Why, oh, why will you die? The pleading of these guys. So if you're sitting here today and you'd like to come forward and talk, whoa, these guys were, please come to your senses. Is sin so sweet, the world so attractive, the creature so satisfying that for it you are willing to imperil your everlasting happiness to barter your soul? Conceive, oh, conceive if possible what it is to dwell in everlasting burning, to lie down in eternal fire. Spirit of the living God, awaken the sleeping sinner, quicken the dead soul. Anybody else thinking of Paul Washer right now? Do you remember the sermon that launched him into the stratosphere of notoriety? The shocking youth message? Preaching hard for 40 minutes and then ultimately doing the exact same thing you just heard Winslow do. Oh, God, blow on this place. Move on this place. Sounds a lot like Washer. And Winslow, doesn't it? Cause men everywhere to realize in some degree what a fearful, what an appalling, indescribable thing it is to be lost forever. And then he sweetens it a little bit. A little. Oh, what a mercy that you are not already in hell and that there is a door open to you into heaven. That door is Christ. Cease striving to enter heaven by the door of your good works and religious duties, by the merits and intercessions of men, of saints or angels. We know what group he was poking at there. There is but one door into heaven, faith in the Savior, who died for sinners on the cross and whose blood and righteousness supply all the merit God requires or man can bring. Jesus came to save sinners, saves them now, saves them to the uttermost, saves them freely and forever. Why not you? I would ask that same question. If you have never humbled yourself before the mighty hand of God, you will. You will be humbled. There's an eternal difference. You wait, you delay, you press upon his forbearance, and it runs out, if you will. He will drop you to your knees with a rod of iron. That very same God offers you terms of peace right now. He extends a loving scepter. Grab it. Repent. Turn from your sins. Turn from your self-righteousness. Abase yourself before God. Put your trust in his son, and he will exalt you in due time. Why would you delay? This is Wretched Radio. because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting preborn ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives? That ultrasound
0: changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was gonna have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed.
1: When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now uh, my daughter's about to be three. I don't
0: know where my life would be without
2: her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org/ org slash wretched. pre slash wretched.
1: You've no doubt heard about this subliminal advertising nonsense before. You know, commercials that are supposed to have hidden messages in them. Well, the a Ratchet Gospel Partner. Wretched firmly denies any use of this so-called mind control. The a Ratchet Gospel Partner. After all, Wretched is entertaining and charming enough. Go to wretched.org slash donate. I mean, what's not to love about helping to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel? You're getting excited. A ministry that's ECFA approved so you know your donation is going to wise things. That's getting your attention. In fact, 83% of every dollar goes directly to ministry. Take out your wallet. So let's go ahead and put this subliminal advertising nonsense to rest. Nobody can do your thinking for you. Become a Wretched Gospel Partner. You either want to become a Wretched Gospel Partner. You do, you do. Or you don't. Yes, you do. Wretched.org slash donate or text the word Wretched to 44321. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow
2: Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year
0: marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry.
2: But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 that means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved they bring the gospel home parents get saved and local churches get strengthened would you please consider supporting the tomorrow clubs not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania Ukraine Russia Albania all over Eastern Europe and now in Africa. Would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? org slash wretched. Books of the Bible.
0: The book of Judges covers Israel's history from the death of Joshua to just before the reign of King Saul. The reoccurring phrase is, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. When Israel rebelled, God allowed their enemies to triumph. But when Israel cried out to God, he raised up a deliverer. God is faithful, even when his people are not. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What's on
2: your mind?
1: One, seven, seven, two.
2: This is Wretched Radio. That is the number of the old toll free, one eight seven seven two eight two beep. Please leave a message with a question, a comment, a conundrum, or even
1: a snark. Salutations, Mr. Krugell. Uh so I was listening to your segment on adults and while adults. I don't sit in my room playing with legos or hot wheels for that matter
2: jimmy did he just say legos he did say legos i hope jim osman isn't listening (laughs) Uh um
1: i do notice some of those tendencies in me um so i was wondering what are some ways that i can put those to death and uh, race towards maturity
2: you've already started well done and i'm not joking if if I were face-to-face with you in our local church, I'd be encouraging you like nobody's business because you have absolutely taken the first step. I have some kid-like proclivities, and I'm a grown man. It's time to put those childish things behind. That's a huge step. Now, we don't want to be legalists about this, but we do want to press toward being involved in activities that I don't want to say are more grown up. I would like to say have more... Um, more biblical implications and more wisdom applied to life and being a better steward of time. Can a 45-year-old play a video game? Okay, sure, you can. How much? If it's eating into your family time, if, if you could be serving, you could be volunteering at church, but you've already got 12,000 points or whatever these things do when you keep score of them, well, well then you're out of balance. They can be used for discretionary entertainment. But you want to be taking a look at your life and going, all right, do I have my priorities straight here? And everybody, even when you're as old as Jimmy without his gallbladder, I didn't know you lost it, Jimmy. I did. Huh. So I've got something you don't have. All the gall, Matt just got his taken out. It went really well. He was, Matt, he's, he's here in the ministry. He's an overachiever. He was told that his gallbladder was the worst gallbladder of the day. Wow. <laughs> do you have that award? I do not. Huh? <laughs> so you got rid of your gallbladder. Matt got rid of his. We're very grateful for science that it works, even at Matt's age, even at Jimmy's age, even at my age. You got to take a look. All right, wait a second. How am I using my energies? And we can all get out of joint to a degree and we need an adjustment. So you're on the road to starting. I might encourage you to take another step, which is let another older, godly, adult male help you. Spend time with him. Go to his house. Watch him with his wife and kids and study him. If you ever get invited to a dinner party and you're like, "Ah, oh, this is going to be such a drag. There's nobody there that I'm at just watch and see how they interact with one another." If the couple is they're make in our house, we've got a kitchen island, and you know how it is. It doesn't matter what the rest of the house is like. Everybody sits at the kitchen island. And with then then Mrs. Friel and I will be working on the food. But there are some couples where it's just the wife working on the food and not the husband and not helping with dishes or it's vice versa, just study it. How do they move? How do they interact? Are they getting agitated? What can you learn from them? And if you've got somebody who's discipling you in that regard, you're just gonna keep growing and growing and growing. And one last thought for you, young man, besides another encouragement is, it can be a little bit painful. There's still some stuff that you might like to do, but you go, you know what? As good as I am at that game, as much fun as that is to me, I want to be more godly. I want to be doing things that actually help my brothers and sisters, or I want to be growing in wisdom and knowledge. I'm going to put down the game and I'm going to pick up a book and it's going to be hard. But you're going to be doing something that just grows you and matures you. And if you have somebody discipling you, he will be able to guide you. A 877 282
1: Hey, Todd. If you're driving above the speed limit and you suddenly see a cop car, yeah. does your foot let off the gas?
2: Maybe. It even <laughs> hits the brake. The term is burying your bumper. Jimmy, I would say, based on the emails that I saw, mm-hmm. the vote was split. Yeah, There were people who agreed with you. There were some people who agreed with me. Whether a Christian can ever speed or not come to a full stop. Sinners. Sinners. All sinners. <laughs> just a side note. If you ever go anywhere with Jimmy, just build in a little extra time because it's going to take a bit.
1: <laughs> Hello, Mr. Creel. Uh, it's... Spiritual warfare was a good metaphor, or is a good metaphor to use, like, in all circumstances. Uh, Would Paul becoming all things to all men be the equivalent of being, like, behind enemy lines?
2: Hmm. Paul, well, specifically, when Paul, I believe it's Romans 9, talked about, no, not Romans 9, Romans 14. No, 2 Corinthians 10. (laughs) Jimmy, look up that verse. It's got to be 2 Corinthians 8 through 10 or Romans 14. Or is it 2 Corinthians? It's in the New Testament. And he said, I become all things to all people that I might win some. It wasn't in the context of spiritual warfare. It was in the context of being aware. All right, I'm in this. I'm, I'm in Japan. And the custom is to take off your shoes before you enter the house. I'm taking off my shoes. The Brogans will sit at the door because I want I want to I want to become all things to all people. Does that mean that he changes the message? No. Does that mean he incorporates their worldview into his theology? No. Does that mean he becomes seeker sensitive? No. Does that mean he uses that as an excuse to have a rock and roll band playing an eighties medley before the worst? No. During the worship service, no. It was to be mindful, so that you don't put up anything that causes somebody to not hear you. Jimmy, what verse was that?
1: First uh, Corinthians nine, 22. 1 Corinthians nine, yeah, twenty-two. Uh-huh.
2: Oh. You didn't. You don't believe me? You know, <laughs> I just did. I knew it was First Corinthians nine. I just, I wanted to just test <laughs> you or something, because I'm a radio host and I'm never wrong. <laughs>
1: Hey, Todd. Hey, I've got a question regarding how should I handle my sister. Um, she is in what we would call an ethically non-monogamous relationship. Yeah. And, or polyamorous, or, or what most people would know as a relationship where she openly involves with many people.
2: Can I tell you something tragic, sir? Now this uh, This is becoming increasingly common. I was I had my earbuds in at the gym and the commercial cuz I don't pay for Spotify. I'm the cheapskate. I'll listen to the commercials. It was a new podcast, How to Navigate Having Multiple Partners. What? You're actually like Broadcasting this to get people to listen, this is a growing trend.
1: We have tried giving her the gospel many times, tried presenting to her, and at the end of the day, long story short, it's tearing us apart, tearing the family apart Mm -hmm. of how she's choosing to live her life. How in the world do we handle approaching her yet again? Or is it time to say goodbye? Nope. Hey,
2: that was pretty definitive. I don't think it is time to say goodbye, it's your sister. You are always going to be blood related, and you can always love her this this sounds i know i'm 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 sitting here right now in a studio, and i'm not confronted with this particular issue, so this might sound glib and well you're oversimplifying things, but I still think this is the path forward, and you already said the key you have proclaimed the gospel to her i'm certain that you have said. God doesn't want you living like this, not having multiple. He wants you to be in a committed relationship with somebody of the opposite gender in a lifelong covenant union, glorifying him. That's what He you you know that and you're living in violation of that law. And he wants you to repent and put your trust in him and trust him that he's got better for you. Okay. She's heard that. She's understood that. How many times do you need to tell her that? I know how you feel. Well, I got to keep telling her. And if I'm just nice to her, she's going to think that I'm okay with it. So I might suggest you've already done one meeting, which is great. You set it up the way that you deem fit and say, hey, sis, I just wanted to share something with you that's on my heart. I love you so much and And I want us to have a great sibling relationship, and I just wanted to let you know you you know how I feel about you know your lifestyle and stuff, okay, when I'm nice to you and giving and I invite you to stuff you do know that I'm not like acquiescing on my position that i I'm still not in favor of what you you, you know that I just don't want you to confuse my kindness with approval. We're cool, and then love your sister just love her be be your brother. It, it, you're not going to convert her. It's not your job. You have been faithful to delivering the gospel. The Bible doesn't say you have to preach the gospel 82 times. In fact, kind of get a leaning the other way in 1 Peter chapter 2, that the woman who's married to a godless man, that she doesn't have to keep banging on it. She no doubt has shared the gospel, but now she's just living a godly life and even enjoying her pagan husband and loving her pagan husband and experiencing marital pleasures with her pagan husband. And it's okay for you to do that with your siblings. It's okay for you to do that with your kids. Just make sure that they know the gospel, do it lovingly, and then make sure that you have agreement. My love for you is not approval of your lifestyle, but I just want to love you. We're going to put that behind and let's go have turkey dinner. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.